Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Wide Array of Sports Takes Podcast. I'm Andrew DeStefano. You can find me at SportsGuru716 on Twitter or WideArraySportsTakes.wordpress.com. Uh, as I say, every episode I post daily content. I post all the links on my Twitter and on my Facebook if anyone listens on Facebook. Um, and it, it, it ranges from fantasy football, hockey, NASCAR, League of Legends, whatever I'm feeling right now, it's a lot of hockey and football, as those are the two sports that are going on while hockey's about to go on in the next month or so. So I'm doing 31 and 31 days, all the teams in the NHL giving a preview of their depth charts and their cap efficiency this offseason. But first comes the fantasy football stuff for today. I'm doing my waiver options for the week. I have 10 players that I think you should consider adding off of waivers today or tomorrow into Thursday to um, better help your team going into this week based on their last week performance and based on the fact that they're not owned in many leagues. My goal is to have people on this list that are owned in less than 25% of leagues. This week, it was a little tougher um, with bye weeks and COVID and things like that. It makes it a little harder. Plus, last week was pretty weak in general when it came to fantasy output. So quarterback-wise, Kirk Cousins had another good week. Four out of the last five weeks, he's been very good. I mean, well, not very good, but consistently upper half. And for a bye week, that's all you can really ask for is an upper half performance for a fill-in. With COVID also going on, quarterback injuries, uh, Breeze, Bridgewater, both being out last week and stuff like that, you should really take a guy like Kirk Cousins now because it's only a matter of time before other players get hurt. Um, And COVID is going up, so that means more people are going to get COVID. There's a chance that more quarterbacks don't play, and Cousins has been pretty good as of late. Another quarterback is Phillip Rivers, that has had a couple good weeks in recent memory. Um, When he played the Titans the first time, he had 300 yards and a touchdown. Now, with that kind of production in yards, you would have expected more than one touchdown. I think that he could also be a very good add this week against the Titans and have an opportunity to, you know, have another 25-point day for you as a fill-in for the bye week, and that's really all you can ask for. Running backs, a little bit harder. Running back was pretty weak last week. I've got um, a PPR option and two standard options here. Frank Gore, this this past week, did okay. Against um, Miami the first time, he was actually both a PPR threat and a running back threat because he's had more than 10 touches in, I think, all but two games this year. And against Miami the last time, he had four receptions. So, you know, with the four receptions, and I think he had like maybe 30 yards, but even if he didn't, I mean, let's just say he had 20 yards. That's six points in PPR out of Frank Gore. Plus, he's getting 10 carries, averaging four yards a carry. That's four more points. You're looking at 10 points out of Frank Gore, a guy you added off waivers to fill in for your flex. Or even RB2. When I mean, based on how bad running back was last week, that is almost RB2 territory. I think Frank Gore is worth a look this week. James White, PPR threat, obviously. He had um, six receptions last week, and that might be a good indication that they're finally using him out of the backfield in the Cam Newton-led Patriots offense. This year, it's been very inconsistent on which back is going to do well, and that 
is standard for the Patriots, but James White used to always be kind of a solid guy that you knew you were going to get um, receptions out of, but this year it hasn't been the case. Hopefully Cam Newton is starting to realize to get the ball out quicker so he doesn't take those hits, and James White is one of those guys that's regularly open in the flat to get a few yards. So I think James White's a good add. Lastly, Gus Edwards. Usually I don't add put players on this list that didn't do well the week before. Gus Edwards obviously didn't do well because he was the third back last week. He did play a little bit, but he didn't do that much. Well, Ingram and Dobbins both have COVID. Now, even if they test negative, by the time that they can test negative, the game on Thursday, Thanksgiving night will already have happened. So it is Gus Edwards and Justice Hill running the ball for the Ravens. Now, Gus Edwards is more reliable. I think, he, you know, he's had a better history of, you know, a better track record, if you will, of, you know, being a fantasy impact compared to Justice Hill, who's relatively unknown to people outside of Dynasty. Now, you could probably add Justice Hill after waivers are done and, you know, kind of read into what you want to do Thursday, whether you think they're going to throw the ball out of the backfield or not to Justice Hill, because Gus Edwards really doesn't provide that. Gus Edwards is more of a, you know, standard running back. He's called Gus the bus for a reason. So with that in mind, he's more of a standard play than anything else, but I imagine he will have 20 touches this week. And to get a running back that has 20 touches with bye weeks and everything else, that's a big deal. You should definitely be trying to get him if you can. If you need a running back, running back two this week. Wide receivers. Tim Patrick had a good week. Even if you take away his last seven-point play, he is still okay. He gets at least six targets a week. That's valuable. I mean, if he catches all six balls, gets 15 yards of reception, what is that? 90, that's 15 points. Like, that's big. You want 15 points out of a flex. You want 15 points out of a wide receiver three. Tim Patrick can be that guy for you, especially since Drew Locke has come back. Michael Pittman, he's one of the more fun players that I look forward to right now in the second half of the season. He's coming on strong with Rivers, throwing him the ball, coming off of IR a few weeks ago. I think that Pittman is going to be that guy down the stretch that fantasy owners wish they had if they're in the playoffs. I think he is going to be a freebie for people as a wide receiver three solid flex option in the playoffs. I would pick him up now before it's too late. Denzel Mims, another player like Pittman, except he doesn't get the quarterback play. Mims is getting the targets, but he's only bringing in half of them. Whether that's him dropping the ball, but I have to imagine it's probably the problems that come with having Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco as your quarterbacks. They're not getting the ball accurately. He's not getting an opportunity to you know take these targets and do something with them. He is their number one, and with that, the targets are coming. So, I mean, I'd add him and then bench him maybe and see what happens because it's only a matter of time before he finally starts bringing in these targets and doing something with them because with the targets he has brought in, he has done well with. So, I mean, Denzel Mims, I think, is a a solid option to add and then, um, you know, stash for a week or two here. Lastly, tight ends. Tight end is a crapshoot. I literally call it Russian roulette here. Dalton Schultz has been pretty good this year. I mean, as a tight end too. This week going in, I think he's another tight another tight end two option. He gets targets and he has four receptions a game. 
or receptions a game, 10 yards, I mean, eight points plus maybe a touchdown. So you could get 13 in a week. That out of your tight end, too, is valuable. I mean, it's hard to find tight ends that can give you consistent output at that level. Most of the time, you have to play matchup by matchup. Schultz is a guy you could put in and expect 10 points a week out of. Richard Rodgers, another guy. He's had 10 points in three of his last four games. Um, if Ertz comes back this week, Richard Rodgers is useless. But if Ertz is still out against the Seahawks this week, Rodgers should be in play for another double-digit day, even with Dallas Goddard there. So, I mean, on Sunday, if you need a tight end at the last second, Richard Rodgers will probably be there. I think he's a good option at that time. Now, going on to hockey, my 31 and 31 days, I have the Edmonton Oilers today. Um, they're a very fun team, as you could imagine, with their, um, you know, obviously having McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like, this, what, how much more fun can you get? Projected finish, I have them finishing fifth out of 31 teams and winning the Pacific. Um, additions, they made a lot of additions this offseason. Um, Dominic Cahoon, Kyle Turris, Tyson Berry, Mike Smith, and Anton Forsberg are, you know, notables. Alan Quine, Quinn is another guy that'll probably be in the minors with Forsberg, but the other guy's big ads. Um, fifth overall cap efficiency. They had a couple re-signings. I mean, re-signing Pugliarvi was big. Um, they had a few others that they re-signed this offseason. And they also made good deals with Dominic Cahoon coming in as the second most efficient contract to a forward. They waited on him, and they got him at a price that was very efficient, one of the better um, deals. Only Mark Pesek has a better deal than he does when it comes to the team being team-friendly. Goalie-wise, Mike Smith. That was the second most efficient deal to a goalie this offseason compared to what they did the year before. I believe only um, one other player, I mean, obviously, I haven't gotten to that player who has the better goalie contract, but Mike Smith should have a bigger impact on the NHL squad than that other goalie does, and it might, in the end, by the end of the year, you might look back and say the Mike Smith deal, for what it is, was the most efficient deal to a goalie this offseason. Depth charts. Um, I put Dreisaitl on the first line. There's a lot of debate whether he's a center or a wing. Um, in this case, I didn't move him at the last minute today to left wing and put Nugent Hopkins at center on line two. I mean, those guys are interchangeable, but I mean, Cassian is first line. I mean, second line. The thing is they have a lot of wingers that are interchangeable, like especially in lines two, three, and four. Outside of Archibald. And even then, Dominic Cahoon can play wing. I could see Dominic Cahoon on line two, or I could see him see him as um center on line four. Juju Kara is also a guy that can play center. Him and Cahoon could be interchangeable. I just think Cahoon's a better player overall, so I put him at center. Um, you know, it's really like there's rumors Puliarvi might be in the top six somehow. And Yamamoto is down. I mean, James Neal, you could see him playing with McDavid and, and not be surprised. So, like, there, there is some question marks as to what the team does if one of their two, you know, lead horses go down in McDavid or Dreisaitl. I mean, and obviously that's the case given that they have, you know, a lot of wingers that depend on them in Cassian 
and even Tyler Ennis, who wasn't that good before he got back to back to Edmonton. Um, even a guy like James Neal, he doesn't, you know, make plays anymore. So Kyle Turris could move up there, but a, th- there's a drop-off there. Depth-wise, at the AHL level, when it comes to bottom six, they have a ton of depth. Like, Nygaard, Haas, uh, Alex Chason, um, Patrick Russell, like, these guys are all guys with some NHL experience. Even Alan Quinn, they have all NHL experience and significant NHL experience. So they could come in and play in the bot in the bottom six role and be relied upon. It's the guys from the bottom six that might have to play in the top six or down the middle that they might have trouble. Either way, though, this team is very, very good. I mean, I'm pick poking holes in a fifth place team that I mean could win the whole entire thing. I mean, they could win the cup, and no one would be shocked. But looking at this right now. Fifth place team, if not better than that. The depth is astounding. Defense depth is also quite a thing here. Looking at, you know, you, you've got your key guys. Added, added Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry is now their top right shot defenseman. Then you have like Clefbaum and Bear. And I mean, even their seventh defenseman, Chris Russell, a solid player. They've been trying to trade Adam Larson all offseason because they want to get Evan Bouchard in there, but they're going to have trouble unless they can trade somebody to get Bouchard or Broberg in there. Both those kids are good. Even William Lagaston is good, but you can't, they can't put them in. They, they have too many guys. There's a log jam here. And it's going to be interesting what they do and who gets the spots, because even Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones are both very young, good, promising defensemen. A guy like Larson or Russell makes sense to go, and Bouchard moves up. I mean, the right side is the weaker side of these two when it comes to age. I mean, Nurse, Clefbaum, Jones, and Lagason, they're all very young defensemen. There's no reason why they should get booted out for a guy like Broberg at the moment. But Russell and Larson, I mean, Bouchard is better than them at the moment, but it's just it doesn't make sense when it comes to, like, your cap and one-way contracts and things like that, like, to bring them up right away, especially in what might be a season that isn't going to be too friendly to um, anybody for that matter. Um, lastly, goalie. Goalie is the weakness on this team. Toskinen is okay. He's a top 15 goalie. Excuse me. Uh, Mike Smith was okay last year. I don't know how good he's going to be this year. I think there are limitations. He's an older guy. I think that's why they brought in Anton Forsberg as a third goalie in case something goes wrong with Koskinen or Smith. They have a, a experienced third goalie in that instance, and they're all older. I mean, this team needs a younger goalie. I don't, you know, Stuart Skinner, I don't know if that's really going to be the guy, but they need to have, they need to bring in a young goalie that they can expect to come up in a, couple of years that can take the place of these older guys in the goalie position. I think this is the weakness for this team when it comes to playoff time. But at the same time, they have the offensive firepower to win six to five. I mean, five to four, four to three games like that. High scoring games. They have the ability to do it. It's just a matter of when it comes to playoff time. Can you reliably do that? I I don't know. So Edmonton, fifth place team, I thought they were very efficient cap-wise with the Cahoon and uh, Mike Smith contracts. 
So, you know, tomorrow I'll have the Florida Panthers. I don't think they're nearly as efficient as these guys or as good as these guys. So it'll be a totally, you know, reversed take on depth charts tomorrow. Um, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wide Rated Sports Takes. If you liked it, please come back tomorrow and listen to my week 12 injury update along with the Florida Panthers 31 and 31. If you did, like I said, if you like it, come back. Also, retweet it, um, share it, comment. If you have any takes that differ from mine and you'd like to me to discuss it on the next episode, I'll gladly you know, give my take and more reasoning behind it. And any criticism on how to make this better, I'd like to make this better every episode I can. And uh, with that, I hope you come back tomorrow for new content.